Good morning, church. Let's have the uh, Kingdom Kids go out with Tagu. Hey, we get to go. Yeah, excellent. All right. Uh, to our guest in the assembly, uh, I've been in, in the Gospel of Matthew, so please turn to Matthew chapter 11. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the yoke of Christ in Matthew 11, finishing out the chapter 28, 29, and 30 today. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and read that. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless this message today. Bless the word into the minds, into the ears, into the hearts of your people. I pray for us, dear God. We live in such a busy society. It just, uh, it tears the soul. It burdens us. And we are those who have been called to rest. Our spirits must know this rest because of you. Because you're in our lives and we're in yours. But we need to be reminded, and I'm grateful for the text today, Father. It reminds me. It reminds me. Bless these that listen. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so I was thinking about this yoke. And you can see an illustration on the screen about the yoke. And the yoke was made of a, a wooden halter that would be placed over the animals. And uh, generally, the yoke was for two animals. And they would pull a plow. They'd pull a, a cart of some sort, uh, it would be a, a load, a burden that the farmer himself could not bear. And so the ox or the uh, horses or cattle or whatever animal would be placed in that. But in the Old Testament scriptures, this yoke uh, symbolized servitude that they would serve one another, that they were brothers, and they would be in the yoke together. Uh, to emphasize a, a weight of oppression, the yoke became a symbolic symbol that some type of an oppression was on the people, and they bore this yoke. It could be described as a yoke of iron. It could be uh, the burden of slavery. It could be the burden of taxes, when taxes... Uh, were unreasonable and, and, and many taxes and it was like a yoke bearing down uh, upon the person. But remember Jeremiah, the, that Old Testament prophet, when he actually wore a yoke as he went through the streets of Jerusalem and it was a symbolic thing that he was telling the people that uh, they were going to be under bondage because of their sin. God had, had sent the prophets to preach uh, decade after decade after decade, and uh, you're going to be in a yoke of bondage under the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. And he also sent, uh, I don't know if they were miniature or if they were the life-size yokes to kings of neighboring countries. 
symbolic that they too were going to be under the Babylonian reign. And so then we go to the Jewish rabbinic literature, and the Jew should be free from servitude to man, and he should be devoted to God, and that it's God that should be in the yoke with him. And so the yoke of the kingdom of man is contrasted to the uh, yoke of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so this doctrine is fully enacted in the statement from a, not in your Bible, but from a, a Hebrew, a Jewish writing, the Avot, chapter 3, verse 5, and here's what it said. Whoever takes upon himself the yoke of the Torah, and remember, the Torah is the first five books of your Old Testament. Uh, whoever takes upon himself the yoke of the Torah, they remove the yoke of government. They remove the yoke of worldly concerns. Why? Because we are now in the yoke of God. And we walk with Him. We obey His teachings. And Jesus reminds us in our text that, that His teachings are easy. They are light. His yoke is light. And we need to be reminded of that today. And so I ask the question, what is our yoke? Who is our yoke? Uh, we live in a world of oppression. There is always another philosophy. There's always an issue, opinions. There's even lusts that are going to enslave. And so if God is not in the yoke with us, what are we putting in the yoke alongside of us? The yoke of Christ has set us free. And we should be free indeed. So, first today, my first question is, what has confined, what's bound, what's burdened you? What's pressed upon you? Verse 28, let me go back and catch that verse again. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you something. Rest. Rest to your soul, rest to your spirit, rest to your way of life if we will follow the teachings of Christ. Now, there was a day when modern-day worshipers uh, went to worship. Ladies would put on their finest dress. Men would put on a suit and a tie, maybe a three-piece suit and a tie. And the children were all dressed up so cute, and they all went off to worship God on the Lord's Day like that. And, and many of you uh, never experienced that, but many of you, <laughs> you remember those days, don't you? But here's the deal. We reached a point where we wanted to dress down. We wanted to worship God the way we dressed during the week. And as we, did, as we do that, sometimes we, we get pretty sloppy in our appearance to worship God but we defend dressing down that God isn't concerned about our dress. He is concerned about our what? Our heart. And so we've changed the music style to fit our liking. We, we've changed our dress to fit our liking. And we know, we know the answer full well. But God's really interested in the heart. And I'm asking what are you yoked to? Because that is the answer. God is concerned about our heart. Okay, so we dressed down and we changed our music, but what did we ever do about our heart? Are we still under the same old yoke of whatever philosophy, whatever attitude, whatever sin? 
Um, the message today is not about we dress down or our music. We are a people of the heart. And that's what the message is about. And so our problem uh, is true. We're not any better for dressing down. We're, we're not any better from changing our worship style if we never addressed the heart. It's not about what you wear, unless, of course, you, uh, you're, you're wearing sexually provocative clothes to worship God or indecent clothing in that respect. Jesus is teaching here that he is, if he is not in the yoke with us, then something else is in the yoke with us. And so we need to discover what that is. Um, one of the commentaries in my office, Leo Bowles. Leo Bowles, in his commentary, said, it may have been suffering from any disease. That we call that. You've heard people say, well, that's my cross to bear. My bad back's my cross to bear. It could be that the yoke in their life is this disease. But he says, we're burdened by moral and mental stresses. But it's the deeper significance of being weary, being heavily burdened with sin and spiritual defects, those burdened of soul. And then in a book by Neil Anderson, uh, it's entitled Bondage Breaker. He reveals that Satan can bind Christians. Oh, 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 oh I don't believe that Christians can be possessed by the devil because we have the Holy Spirit in our life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Satan knows how to entice us. Am I right about that? He knows how to entice us. He knows how to put a whisper in our ear and get us to think on something and get us to act a certain way. Now, he can't make us act that way, but I'll share this in a little bit. Satan cannot possess the Christian but he, he can influence us if we drop our guard. Okay, an illustration of this is over in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. I'm going to turn there quickly. Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God in verses 11 through 13. I'm not reading all about the armor. Uh, I just want to show you something here. Um, what do you think Paul wrote about when he wrote about the armor of God? Paul said that our fight is not against each other. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. But here's what our fight is really about. In chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes. The schemes of the devil. I didn't say he could possess us. We have the Holy Spirit. I said he's got schemes. And his, his joy is to take us down. Okay. Verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. I'm not being uh, unspiritual by telling you that the devil tries to uh, plant an idea in our mind. Good Christian people have an idea planted in their mind and then they find themselves doing something that is so out of character for them. What got into you? Well, Satan did not possess you, but he, he put something in your mind and you're... We, I, we ran with it. 
It's caused a lot of heartache. Caused a lot of heartache. And so, our fight is against powers and world forces and spiritual forces and darkness and wickedness. I hope you're getting the picture. Satan can influence. He can suggest. He can tempt. And we need the full armor of God to protect us from the influence of the devil. Now, let me progress with this thought. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul wrote, So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. We're not ignorant that he's going to try to do this to us. Think about the long road of discontentment you're traveling down. Think about how you can't get a grip on spiritual things. They, they are always escaping you. Think about how you can't make relationships work. Think about why uh, you don't crave the Word of God like your brother or sister in Christ. You can't conquer your bitterness, your guilt, your shame. You're not possessed. Satan can indeed put thoughts into our minds causing us weariness, causing us burdens. Oh, I'll give you an illustration. Uh, King David, when he numbered his army... 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. He didn't possess him. He incited. And what's that mean? It means he urged him. He persuaded him. And pretty soon one day, King David just thought, I think I'll number the people. He was told not to do that. Why would you want to number the people? Satan's strategy was to take this man who loved God with all his heart and get David to, to put his confidence in David as a king, in his resources, and not trust God for the victory. Are you with me? Another illustration, Judas. On the night Jesus betrayed, uh, Judas listened to the devil. John 13, 2, during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. He didn't possess him. He put it into the heart. You know what? This is going to work. Maybe I can force Jesus to establish his kingdom. Let's get this thing on the road. I'm going to betray him. I'll get the wheels turning. Judas realized he was wrong. Another illustration is Acts chapter 5, verse 3, concerning the Christians, Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, everyone was giving, and the kingdom was being blessed, and they said, hey, you know, honey, talking to his wife, he said, we've got a piece of property. Why don't we sell that piece of property and give some money to church? But when they did that, they lied. They said they gave it all from the land, and they didn't. They gave some of it. Now, it was theirs to give some of it. That was not the issue. They, they didn't have to sell the property to begin with. The issue is what Peter said. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay, so are you with me so far? Our brother and sister is not possessed. Satan had been whispering a thought into their heart, into their mind, and they ran with it and don't even know why they ran with it. And so we travel this old world 
we will be faced with burdens of a natural kind. What's that? Your washing machine broke down. You ran over a nail with your car tire. There's things going to happen to all of us. But then there is something that's trying to rob your joy. Just maybe, maybe it's of a spiritual nature. The devil's schemes. It shows us our value in that God and the devil are fighting for our soul. The devil has schemes. And we act the way we act sometimes, out of character for God, out of character for Jesus, and out of character for us, we do it because maybe, just maybe, Satan got us to do it. Hmm. Number two, we need to learn from Jesus. Let's look through that verse 29. In verse 29, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Ah, and that's why we were in Bible study at 9 o'clock. We're learning. We're fellowshipping. We're encouraging. This is why we have home studies. The ladies group has a Bible study going on right now. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I love that part about the rest. It, it, it showed up in 28, now it shows up in 29. And when we learn of Christ, we can rest. Jesus said, learn from me. And in point number one, I asked the question, what binds, what confines? What is making us feel like we're not fulfilled? We're not happy. Is Satan trying to get us to be in the yoke with him? You better believe it. You better believe he is. And so as we learn of Jesus and we learn from Jesus, we begin to see worldliness in our eyes, in our lives. I, I, I didn't see it before. I didn't see it. I, yes, I'm worldly when it comes down to that aspect of my life. And I can deal with it. We must unharness evil in our life, uh, unharness from worldly shackles, unharness from psychobabble, unharness from sin that has taken us down a long road, and he will bring us rest. Now, I I'm going to read uh, James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. But as I'm reading this, I want you to see the yoke idea in this verse. Oh, there's no yoke mentioned, but I want to see you, see you say, yeah, I get that. I understand. James 4, 7, and 8. Submit, therefore, to God. And we submit to him, we're in the yoke with God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Get out of the yoke with the devil in our thinking. Draw near to God and back into the yoke with God. And guess what? When we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. That's that life in the yoke. 1 John 3, 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. His, his scheming against God's people. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober in spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a what? A roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. The power of our baptism means everything to us. In Romans 6, verse 6, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified 
with him, Jesus, in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Get out of the yoke of sin and get into the yoke with Jesus. Jesus taught us the Sermon of the Mount. We, in this study through Matthew, we went through the Sermon on the Mount. Right there, if you haven't read it in a long time, read it. That's how Jesus expects us to act. Jesus showed us the way by his example from the wilderness temptations when he was tempted by the devil. He showed us uh, how he handled demons. He showed us the religious leaders of his, how he handled the religious leaders of his day. He is our example. Follow him. Make a change in your life. We must quit kidding ourselves that God uh, accepts it that I've got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You can't be yoked by both. You're either going to be yoked by the devil or you're going to be yoked by Christ. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. We are disciples of Jesus. We are learners of him and we, we pass on to others what we've learned. Number three, take his yoke. Take his yoke. Verse three, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. When you are so pressed upon for something that you have done and you can't believe you did it. I mean, we've all been there. We've done something to go, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe. And God's Holy Spirit begins to convict and it just pounces down on us and when we're pounced upon by the Holy Spirit we repent we repent and here's the part what, what did it say in 30 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and so when you can't take it anymore that yoke of sin is killing you you can come we can come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, and whew, it's light. You've got to know that. You've got to experience that, because if Satan has his way, he is going to tempt you to sin, and then crush you in that sin. And Jesus wants to set you free. Having rid ourselves of all that shames us and destroys our desire to be holy, we purge the death yoke, and we live in the yoke of life with Jesus. Now, remember in my opening illustration about the uh, Avot, chapter 3, verse 5, whoever takes upon himself the yoke of the Torah, the Word of God, they remove from themselves the yoke of government and the yoke of worldly concerns. But whoever breaks off the Word of God from their lives, they are placing on them a yoke of government and the yoke of worldly concerns. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, it just might mean if you don't want to live for Jehovah God and Israel is going to sin and sin and sin, decade and decade, a hundred years of sin, and God says, I've had enough. If you take my yoke of the Torah off your life, I'm going to put the government of Nebuchadnezzar on you and let you wear that yoke for 70 years. And they did. They didn't repent of their sin. And they stayed in a foreign country. A lot of them died when they attacked Jerusalem. 
but a lot of them was hauled off to to Nebuchadnezzar's reign to his to his land. First John chapter two, first way back there in the back. First John chapter two, fifteen through seventeen, so applicable to us today. Written two thousand years ago. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Yoke. The yoke, the eyes will put us in the wrong yoke. Following the, the world is enmity with God. It's against God. So get rid of the worldliness in our lives. I've turned over already to uh, Romans 8, 5 through 8. Romans 8, 5 through 8. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Isn't that good? Life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Verse 8. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you ever feel alone? Maybe you feel alone in the Christian walk. Do you ever feel like peace is so unobtainable? It's always beyond my grasp. I see my Christian brother or my sister, they've, they've got such wonderful peace. Why can't I have that peace? It's God's plan for you to have that peace. And maybe you're striving too hard instead of relaxing in him. You give it to him and you leave it. Give it to him and leave it. So I know that you committed that sin years ago and it's still crushing you. Take it to him and leave it. I, I know you went through a divorce. Take it to him and leave it. Give it to him and leave it alone. It's killing you. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all of your... Now one translation says cares... Another one says anxieties. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for us. Yes, you also. Don't, don't take it that my brothers get peace, but where's my peace? It's right there. Take his yoke upon you. And learn of him. We have a God who cares for us. Our God is for you. Uh, he knows our society. Our society will hammer us into the ground. That's why we're in the wrong yoke. You get into the yoke of Christ and walk in Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make what? The path straight. It's those crooked paths that have us bogged down. 
And he'll make our paths straight. And so we align our, our mind, we align our thinking with what he says about us, casting off every opinion other than his opinion. We align uh, our day with the leading of God's Holy Spirit. You, you get up in the morning and, and you start your prayer and you say, walk with me. And thank you for allowing me to walk with you. And please, Holy Spirit, I messed up yesterday pretty bad. I need you to walk with me today that I can have peace today. Let me reread the text and, and get ready to close. Rereading the text with Matthew eleven twenty eight and following. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For, your, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so uh, we need to pray. And what I want you to do is, I want you to reflect on your life. I, I want you to reflect for a minute in what areas do you need God's peace right now? It could be that your mindset, your appearance, your friends, your family, your work. Uh, it could be that you've got a worldly world view instead of a Christian worldview. And if you've got a worldly worldview, that's why it's not clicking for you. That's why it's not working for you. Same God throws it out and says, come. Come, I want to take that burden off of you. Come out of that yoke and come into the yoke of Christ. Number two, now offer that area of your life to God and ask Him for His opinion. See, we are Amer Americans. <laughs> We're opinionated. And our opinions are right. That's what we think. Our opinions are right. And so, God, what is your opinion? See, when I was baptized into Christ, I died with Christ. And I was raised to walk in newness of life. But I'm not living that new life. I'm still living my old worldly life because I like that old worldly lifestyle. And there's, there's an issue. There's an issue. Listen to God and let Him tell you. Let Him tell you what He thinks about you. And then look up, look up verses to reveal the teaching on this subject. Now, this is an important one. Number three, meditate on Scripture regarding the area in which you need peace. And so whatever you're struggling with, you look up Scriptures on that. You write them out, you type them out, whatever you've got to do, but those Scriptures are going on the dash of the car to work. Those, they're going in the seat along with you, and because you're going to reread those, you're taking those in your pocket uh, to lunch uh, at work, and when you go to lunch, you're going to reread those Scriptures. Because you mean business. I want the peace that surpasses all understanding that my brother and sister in Christ have. I need that. I'm tired of the devil whispering things in my ear. And, and I didn't even know it was him. And I went down this long trail that just caused hardship for everybody in my life. And I'm tired of that. Meditate on scripture regarding the area in which you need peace. Submit yourself to the Word of God. Believe in what it says. Trust it. Faith. Have faith. Walk by faith. Live by faith. 
trusting the word of God and whatever God says, do it. Whatever God says, do it. Are you ready to do that now? Whatever God says, you're going to do it. Well, people, I, don't let me hammer out the idea of how Satan has used you in the past. I don't, I don't know your individual lives unless you tell me. But I can tell you about a walk with Jesus that's going to be so sweet. If you're, if you're willing to take the plunge, if you're willing to say yes to him, you confess your sins to him in private prayer. You're not going to come up here and, and announce all your sins to us. You're going to do that in prayer to God. You're going to confess the good confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then you would go to the watery grave of baptism where you, you die to the old self and you're raised to walk in newness of life that I spoke about. You're changing yokes out of the worldly yoke to the Jesus yoke. Are you ready for that? What's the alternative? Going back to more of the same, making the same mistakes and sin, having the devil lead me around, yoked up with every ugly influence this world can provide. It's time to make a change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you today for the words of Christ. I ask a blessing upon the man or woman, the teenager, that so desperately, they, they like your yoke a whole lot better than their yoke. And so teach us how to cast aside the old worldly yoke that's killing us, it's strangling us. It's pressing us down to the ground and we can't take it anymore. And help us to be honest and, and turn to you and seek this freedom of being in the yoke that you're doing the pulling and we're following. And so I, I pray a blessing on those that would live by faith right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. If uh, you need prayer, you come. If, if you want to accept Christ, you come take my hand.